What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi. I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome back to Movie Mike's Movie Podcast, your go-to source for all things movies. And I am fired up about this week's episode, continuing the Halloween theme. Today, I am putting together the Mount Rushmore of horror. Yes, we're talking about the best horror movie franchises of all time. I have my top four that made my Mount Rushmore. I'll get into those. We'll do a movie review of the new Michael Myers movie, Halloween Kills. Oh, I'm anxious to get to that review because i don't think as big of a halloween fan that i am and if you listen to this podcast you know that's like my all-time favorite scary movie and i'll just say wasn't what i was expecting and then a ton of trailers came out over the last week so i'm opening up movie mike's trailer park and i'll break down all the new things coming to theaters very soon i'm excited for this week's episode glad that you're here thanks for being subscribed and listening every single monday to the podcast or whenever you listen to this thing and without any further ado let's get started in a world where everyone and their mother has a podcast one man stands to infiltrate the ears of listeners like never before in a movie podcast a man with so much movie knowledge, he's basically like a walking IMDb with glasses. From the Nashville Podcast Network, this is Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. I love Halloween. I love scary movies. I love horror franchises. So today, continuing the theme in October, I put together my Mount Rushmore of horror franchises. So these are four movies that have, I'd say, stood the test of time. From the originals, to the remakes, to the reboots, to everything in between, I think hands down these are the top four franchises that if I was putting together a Mount Rushmore and carving the big iconic characters, putting their faces on display for everybody to see, these are the movies I would put up there. So a few things I considered when putting this together is one, the amount of films they have, two, how much money they made at the box office, three, you got to consider the iconic look of these characters because a lot of what makes these movies great and why they are so different is how they look. 
Literally, they are icons, and you can go to the Halloween costume store, you can get your mask, you can get your costume, and you know exactly what those characters represent, and also that these movies have really stood the test of time, and that everybody is familiar with these. Everybody knows who you talk about when you mention these characters. And I know the term iconic really gets thrown around so much lately. Everybody says everything's iconic. But I truly believe these four that I have picked are iconic. You could put up just their image, their face, and you know exactly what movie it's connected to and what that movie is about. So that's why I decided to call it the Mount Rushmore of Horror for movie franchises. Let's get right into this one. At number one, I think it's no surprise. My favorite Halloween and scary movie of all time is Halloween. I think it is the OG classic scary movie. And there are so many reasons why this franchise is my favorite. And it all goes back to the original 1978 movie and what they were able to do and completely change the genre. I think Halloween really set the standard for what a scary movie could be and what a franchise could go on to do by creating such an iconic character. Not the first scary movie, not the first to do horror right. But it was the first one that really gave filmmakers this template of, oh, I want to make a Halloween movie like that. I want to make a scary movie and kind of take what they already did and were so successful at. And without Halloween, you wouldn't have had any of these other big iconic characters like that. Why I think that is, is because there's something so simplistic about the first Halloween movie. And it's everything from the plot of it happening in a normal town that could be anybody's town who watches that movie and also just the simplicity of Michael Myers. He's just this crazy deranged dude who escapes and goes to terrorize some babysitters. This could literally happen everywhere. So you have the setting and then you also have the iconic Michael Myers, which he really kind of set that standard of, okay, if you're going to make a scary movie, you got to center around this character. You got to give him a look. You have to give him a little bit of a backstory. And that's what they did so well in this movie from the white mask that shows no emotion whatsoever, the black jumpsuit, the black boots and the big kitchen knife. And then also what I did considering everybody I put on this list is the amount of films from the first Halloween movie, there have been 11 movies with all the reboots and the remakes. It's really just gone in through all of these reincarnations of Michael Myers kind of being more of a simplistic character to them trying to give him some backstory to him, to him just being a brutal superhero, apparently. And I just think after Halloween came out, it changed what all scary movies like this were going to be. It changed what slasher movies were going to be. But it was that beauty of the first one that really kind of set the standard of they were able to do this movie with only $300,000 when everything else coming out at that time was, you know, spending millions and millions of dollars and is able to do it. It's basically an indie movie. It was a film crew that was just out of high school, really learning how to use this new camera that came out at the time, you know, how they were able to really get people in that movie as viewers of like, okay, you're walking along and experiencing this as the characters in this movie was because of that new technology at the time. And they were, I think, the second movie to ever use this. So, you know, those classic scenes of just like setting the stage, looking at the house or walking through the house in the very opening scene. That's all was never seen before. They really kind of changed how you would watch a movie and how you could experience suspense as a viewer. And I think the great thing about John Carpenter, the original director of the movie, it was what he didn't show 
that made the movie so great. If you go back and watch the original Halloween, there's not a whole lot of blood in it. Yes, he is stabbing people, slicing people, strangling people, but some of the stuff is implied. And there's a way that that movie makes you look one way and then makes the action happen on the other way. It's able to scare you by like, Michael Myers just appearing. It's not just stabbing and blood, which I think a lot of other horror franchises went on to do, but it was almost just a simplistic approach. It had just this really indie movie feel to it that I think everybody who experienced it at the time came out, and then even people like me who watched it as a kid would see and be like, oh, I could make that. I want to do that too. And it was from the first one, and they made 11 movies of this, that I just think he is the George Washington on the Mount Rushmore of horror. I think the best film is the 1978 Halloween. But I think an underrated one would be Halloween H20 from 1998. I think that one is the only movie since to kind of capture that same energy and that same vibe as the first one, but put it into the 90s. Which at the time, it seems so like more cutting edge and so much more... Like it would be modern times, but if you went back and watched that one now, I think it still holds up, but it still feels very 90s. And I think the other major thing that the franchise has going for it is the title of the movie. It's not called Michael Myers, it's called Halloween. So us knowing that, us seeing that, we just think to watch it every single Halloween. When the first one came out, it was a really slow burn at the box office to where it wasn't just a straight out hit. It did all right the first month, did all right the second month, but it was the ability that it was connected to that holiday that the year after that and the year after that, they were able to put it back in theaters because people still wanted to see it, still wanted to experience it around Halloween. So that is my George Washington of horror going with Halloween. Moving on now to what would be Thomas Jefferson on Mount Rushmore of horror. I'm going with Nightmare on Elm Street. There are nine movies. Without a doubt, the first one is probably the best from 1984. But a very underrated one would be Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors. And what Nightmare on Elm Street was able to do is it came out, of course, after Halloween. And, you know, in the 80s, everybody was still trying to capture what Halloween did. Of, you know, okay, we should make our version. But what Wes Craven was able to do with Nightmare on Elm Street was take a simple plot and build it around that people dying in their sleep which came from an actual news story that was happening of these people who would monitor their sleep and whenever they would have nightmares they would log their nightmares and there was this whole story of people not waking up and dying in their sleep so he took that story created a character that was based on a bully when he was a kid named freddy krueger and like, okay, so what if there's somebody killing you in your sleep? Which is a great premise, especially back in the 80s. That's something that would terrorize everybody. And I think that's what great horror franchises do, is they take something that you can watch, but after you turn that movie off, you're worried about it a little bit. You're worried about, in this case, if you fall asleep, what if that would happen to you? Or in Halloween's case, what if you are home at night and an intruder comes and tries to kill you or slash you, slash you with a knife? I think that is what great horror movie franchises did. And this one just really left a mark on everybody who saw it. And it created another iconic character of Freddy Krueger from the burned face, the old creepy hat, but of course the striped sweater that everybody knows. But I mean... Even another element that I didn't even get to is the iconic knives for fingers. There's just so many elements to the costume. And then you add in Robert England, who played him, who looked like the perfect Freddy. They couldn't have cast a better person to 
capture the look, but also the voice and the vibe of how creepy Freddy was. And unlike I was talking about in Halloween, Nightmare on Elm Street really kind of ramped it up with the visual all-out blood and brutal death scenes to the point it kind of messed with your mind. And I think the scene that sticks with me from the very first one is when Johnny Depp's death scene happens, sinks into the bed, and all the blood rushes from the bed. Like, there's just so much blood, and it's a little bit over the top. And I think that's what Nightmare on Elm Street kind of knew it was. Because they are playing in this dream scenario, they were able to do these things and it not come across as cheesy. But not only that, I think what Nightmare on Elm Street got right was the protagonist in the movie and the original one it being Nancy and this character who fights back against Freddy and it's a strong female lead who's not just the person, you know, getting chased and falling down. And I think that's also what Halloween kind of captured is the writer on that was a female and was able to create strong female characters, which wasn't really represented in any kind of horror movie. Still doesn't, I feel like, get represented the best. And along the same lines of Halloween, Nightmare on Elm Street has been rebooted. They try to make it darker. And there's just always a demand for people to want to see a new Freddy Krueger movie. I don't think any of the remakes or reboots that have come since the originals have really, you know been up to par and created that same energy as the first one but it's still just so fun to watch and it's one of the best franchises of all time and a movie that i still watch and and i'm like how do they pull this off like how did they think of this like what how sick and twisted do you have to be to come up with some of these death scenes and that is what is the best part of the nightmare on elm streets you want to know how they're going to kill people. Is it going to be inside of a video game? Is it going to be in a junkyard? There was just so much creativity in the death scenes and how creepy Freddy can appear. It's such a great touch that no one else has really recreated. And Freddy Krueger himself is almost bigger than the movies of his humor, his one-liners, and his just overall creepiness that I had to put him on the Mount Rushmore of horror, taking the Thomas Jefferson spot, Going with Nightmare on Elm Street. Moving on now to the slot with uh, Theodore Roosevelt on the Mount Rushmore of horror. It's a movie that scared me as a kid for many reasons. And we're going back to the whole idea of you watching something and then afterward being worried that it's going to happen in your real life. Like this movie could actually come true. And after I watched Child's Play, I didn't want to see any kind of weird doll. I was always creeped out by old dolls that had real lifelike realistic eyes or mouths those always freaked me out and i probably watched child's play way too young i was so scared after watching that i had to watch a bunch of cartoons to kind of clean my palate and not be afraid to go to sleep and i think for me this was the original movie franchise that i had to watch all the time and i don't know why i would do that to myself there's just something so scary about Chucky, a doll coming to life who this serial killer was able to put his body into. And the thing about Child's Play is there have been eight movies and they've all been relatively good. I know some of these other ones, they drop off a little bit, have some bad movies. But I think overall Child's Play just has consistently good movies because you kind of know what you're getting yourself into when you watch a Child's Play movie. You have to kind of suspend yourself a little bit from reality and I think Chucky is just such a great character because he is this doll coming to life. And the stories around him are always relatively good. 
in any kind of reincarnation, I think he is still just consistently scary. I think hands down the original one from 1988 is the best one. But Child's Play 2 is right up there with being just as good. And a rarity here is that Child's Play 3 with the older Andy, the military school. Like it is a solid trilogy, which is hard to do with horror. Usually by the third movie, they kind of run out of ideas and nothing's really scary anymore because they're doing the same thing over and over. But Child's Play has a solid trilogy. And like all the other horror franchises, there's been reboots, there's been sequels. You got The Seed of Chucky, Bride of Chucky, which gets a little bit cheesier. But I would say an underrated movie in the Child's Play franchise is the 2019 version that came out with Aubrey Plaza as the mom. And what we see with all these horror franchises is when they revisit the original one, they kind of try to keep that same essence of the first one they allude back to some of the things that happened in the original one it's kind of bringing us back there to like oh you remember why you like this movie but i thought the 2019 version did a pretty good job of that while at the same time modernizing it kind of having its own style and not just trying to be like okay we're doing the same movie exactly the same way again I know it didn't get that much of attention when it came out, but I really like that one. And even to this day, you don't have a new movie this year, but on the Sci-Fi Channel, there is now a Chucky TV series. And I think that wouldn't happen for any of these other horror franchises because what you have in the Child's Play movies is Chucky himself has a pretty big personality. He has his own kind of storyline to where him talking throughout an entire movie or doing things isn't completely weird. And when he's on screen, he is as big a character as all the other protagonists in the movie. And him speaking the entire time kind of works. So I haven't checked out that TV show yet, but I'm probably going to soon. I'll admit from the trailer, it looked a little bit cheesy. So in the third slot, as my Theodore Roosevelt, I'm going with Child's Play. Moving on now to the final slot in the Mount Rushmore of horror, the Abraham Lincoln slot. And I think this is where I struggled with the most. And I'll go through some of the ones I was considering and some of the ones that were close to making this slot. And you also just have to consider, you know, the amount of movies there are, the actual face you would carve in, and just how recognizable all of these characters and these movies are. One I was thinking about was Scream, which was an overwhelming response of everybody online who I asked when I put the poll out there for you guys to to comment on what is your favorite. I was kind of surprised that so many people loved Scream. And looking back on some of the movies, I was considering adding them. One, because of Ghostface, the character himself. Like, I had a mask of Ghostface when I was a kid. And the thing about Scream, it's just a classic slasher teen movie. But when that first one came out, there were so many iconic things from that movie that I felt could have easily made this list. No one would bat an eye. But the reason I didn't add it is there's not that many Scream movies compared to these other franchises. There's four with the fifth one coming out next year. I just think overall the body of work came out in the 90s. There's not as much there to work with. So I didn't add Scream, but it's an honorable mention. The other one I was considering is a horror franchise that I feel is a little bit underrated, probably because they're a little bit cheesy, and it's Leprechaun. I think the first two Leprechaun movies are super great. After that, they did get a little bit ridiculous because how many plot lines can you make with this little leprechaun who is going around and killing people? But the first one is a great horror movie. You got a young Jennifer Aniston. And I just think the actual character of Leprechaun is just a fun serial killer and the way he takes people out. I find really entertaining. But I just couldn't see his face next to all these other characters here. 
So I didn't feel comfortable putting him in my Mount Rushmore. The other one I was considering was Saw. The thing about Saw is there are so many movies, there's eight of them, not including Spiral, that they all kind of blend together to me. I can't really, aside from the first one, differentiate what happened in which Saw movie while they have great death scenes. And I think that kind of reignited the horror genre for the time that it came out. And it had that same kind of effect of we wondered what we would do in that situation and if we would survive. I just couldn't really see Jigsaw's face next to all these other characters. Not as iconic. And all those movies kind of feel like the same movie to me over and over again. They're great, but they're just not my favorite. I couldn't see them up there. And then the other one, I was, I don't know, I feel basic for liking these movies, but I really like the Paranormal Activity movies. I think the found footage scares are great. There's something about paranormal things in movies that really get to me and really scare me. And they freak me out after watching them because I can't go to sleep. Every sound I hear in the house, I think there's a ghost. And those movies were able to be made on such a low budget and went on to be one of the biggest, like, most profitable franchises. But there's really nothing you could put up that's memorable from that movie. Like, there's no ghost that's in each of them. It would just be like a blank slot on the Mount Rushmore. So as much as I like those movies, and I feel like I have to defend myself for liking those movies, I couldn't justify that pick. And the other one you're probably thinking, like, oh, how could you not include this pick is Friday the 13th. And I think Friday the 13th, is a trash franchise. There's several reasons why. First of all, when they made Friday the 13th, they were basically saying, hey, let's just rip off Halloween. Like that is all Friday the 13th is to me. It's a Halloween ripoff, except you name him Jason and he has a hockey mask instead. And there's just nothing that I feel is super original about those movies. The style of the way they kill people, it's just a straight up slasher movie. The backstory of Camp Crystal Lake, I find uninspiring. And there's nothing about jason himself that really sticks out to me he is really just a blank canvas has zero personality because even though he is just a guy in a mask i feel like michael myers actually has a personality why jason there's nothing about him there's no backstory there that i'm really curious to find out more about as i'm watching those movies he's just killing basically a bunch of horny teenagers and I think if it wasn't for that hockey mask, those movies wouldn't have had the same kind of impact they had. Like, that's really it. He has a hockey mask and you associate it with Friday the 13th, which when it comes on the calendar, you probably think about those movies. Other than that, there's nothing about those movies that I feel is iconic. Just came out at a time where it was a big movie, but I just feel like it's trash. It's not worth the time, not worth a Mountain Rushmore because of Jason. So the movie I decided on, I feel it may be a little bit controversial given what I just said about Friday the 13th, but what I think is the better, more iconic character has six movies in the franchise, all which are solid installments. The first one came out back in the 70s in 1974. And when this movie came out, it wasn't your average serial killer movie, wasn't your average slasher movie. Because the guy's name was Leatherface and he had a chainsaw. I love the Texas Chainsaw movies and it's because of Leatherface. He is this tormented person and there's just something on a deeper level that I identify with Leatherface. And throughout the franchise, you kind of feel for him a little bit coming from this 
really messed up family being this just weird character and there's just something so hardcore about his weapon of choice of killing people with a chainsaw and that first one is just so sick and twisted from the opening scene to the final scene where it's just this madman in a mask made out of another human skin basically in a fit of rage with this chainsaw in my head that is one of the most iconic horror scenes of all time and with every installment of Texas Chainsaw, I thought they really kept that energy and that style of Leatherface. So I think the first one from 1974 is the best in the entire franchise. But one of my favorites is the one that came out in 2003 with Jessica Biel, which was a kind of an ode to the original one. But since it came out in the 2000s, the technology was a lot better with special effects and makeup. And it just had this still kind of classic horror feel with a modernized touch they've remade it since done different versions of it and for me i think they're all still great and what i look for in a horror movie like this i like horror movies that are a little bit sick and twisted and i think texas chainsaw really gets that right so if i was carving up another face right there in the abraham lincoln slot I would give it to Leatherface and the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So that is my Mount Rushmore of horror. You got Halloween with Michael Myers, Nightmare on Elm Street with Freddy Krueger, Child's Play with Chucky, and Texas Chainsaw Massacre with Leatherface. Let me know what would have made your top four. Send me a tweet at Mike Distro, DM me on Instagram, or send me an email, moviemikeD at gmail.com. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true, and I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things, and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have like one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Every family has skeletons in their closet. Mine certainly does. Ones that go back a hundred years and reach thousands of miles back to our hometown in Sicily. Ever since I can remember, my relatives told the story of my great-great-grandmother who was killed by the mafia. I'm Joe Piazza, and in my new podcast, I'm taking on a generational vendetta, visiting the scene of the crime, confronting mafia experts, tracking down Italian officials, and even consulting mediums to set the record straight on my great-great-grandmother's mysterious disappearance. And in between the fact-finding missions, I'll be drinking a lot of wine and eating all of the pasta. 
Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Gonna get into a spoiler-free movie review now. Been talking about horror franchises all episode long, and we just happen to have a new one in the Halloween franchise, Halloween Kills, which is available streaming on Peacock. Also in theaters, made about $50 million over the weekend, which is a pretty good opening for a horror movie, for an R-rated movie. And you know how I feel about Halloween being my favorite horror franchise. And I teased it at the beginning. I was a little bit disappointed by this one. But before I get into my full review, here's just a little bit of the trailer. My grandmother set the fire. No one told you. <laughs> told me what? Michael Myers is alive. A man couldn't have survived that fire. So let's go back to when that trailer came out. I, for one, I liked it. When I talked about it first, I was like, I like that they showed all the violence in it. I like that they went hardcore and were like, okay, here's all the blood in this movie. Straight up. Like, this is what this movie's going to be. But then when I watched this movie, again, I won't give you any spoilers. What they tried to do and what they tried to recapture in Halloween Kills is the essence of the first one. You have Laurie Strode back, played by Jamie Lee Curtis, and then you have some of the characters coming back from the original movie, some of the characters coming back from Halloween 2. And this one is a sequel from the 2018 version, but in a way, it's kind of a remake of Halloween 2. I feel like it's the same kind of concept. So this one takes place right after the 2018 version, same Halloween night, just rolling into the next day. And in the trailer, you see that they thought they killed Michael Myers in the fire when they put the house up into flames. But you find out he made it through the flames and he killed the entire firefighter crew. This is all in the trailer. So what the movie is, is Michael Myers coming back, killing a bunch of people and essentially the town coming together to take down Michael Myers. That's what this movie is. So it's essentially, if you remember Halloween 2, that original sequel, it's almost that exact same movie. So there have been a lot of reincarnations of Halloween. Before this one, there was the Rob Zombie remakes, which kind of had that same style of being just over the top, a little more brutal, a little more hardcore, but they didn't really have any identity. And then when the 2018 version came out, I actually really liked that one. I thought they were able to take what the original one was and kind of modernize it and still kind of keep that essence of Michael Myers. And the thing that I realized that I love about Michael Myers while watching Halloween Kills is the kind of simplistic approach of the way he kills people and that it's not super hardcore and violent and it's what you don't see sometimes that makes it better. Now that one did have a good amount of gore, a good amount of blood, a good amount of just straight up slashing. But what they went for in Halloween Kills is that Michael Myers almost becomes this over-the-top villain with like almost these supernatural powers. So he's like not human, which they kind of try to justify with like, yo, he's pure evil, and that's why you can't kill him. But what this movie gets wrong is with all that blood and violence and you see Michael Myers on screen so many times, it kind of takes away the personality of him. Like I wouldn't really see him doing this. I know he's known to be a killer and known to kill people, but not in this style. And I didn't really like that. What I did 
find myself liking is when they went back to some flashbacks set in the 70s. They kind of had this old school film look, how the original ones did. And I almost felt like they should have just made it like that, like made a remake, but still set it in the 70s instead of continuing along with the story. And the movie, it starts out okay, but then it just super drags in the middle and then tries to ramp up in the, in the end of it. But it gets to the point to where it's almost just too cheesy. I wasn't into it. I wasn't buying this story. I wasn't entertained by the death scenes. And I didn't care about any of the characters living or dying. I felt like the story was so weak. And there was nothing about this one that made it feel like it was worthy of a sequel. What it actually felt like is since they are making a trilogy, there'll be one more in this whole series of Halloween movies. It felt like that bridge movie. Like they weren't giving you everything in this one to the point to where they could make the third one and be like, okay, like I hate it when movie franchises do that. Like, okay, make this one great because I'm here watching this one now. This is the one I want to be entertained by. If you don't get it right on this one, what's going to make me want to watch the third one? So I just felt like Halloween Kills lacked identity. It wanted to represent what the first one was, but be like, oh, hey, we're going to make it so much more violent and Michael Myers is going to kill people in the most brutal ways. But it doesn't make sense. I felt like Michael Myers always had this kind of cadence to him. He had this motive and it wasn't here. Like you have to get his character just right and you have to give him an identity and this one didn't have that. And by the end of the movie, I wasn't rooting for the, the protagonist in this movie. I was rooting for Michael Myers. I felt bad for him. I wanted him to take over the entire screen and just be like, all right, you guys are all dumb. This is cheesy. This is horrible. I'm just going to waste everybody. That's what I wanted by the end of this movie. So I'm, for one, glad that I didn't go see it in theaters. I watched it on Peacock, which I have the free version, but you pay the five bucks and you're able to watch this one. There's no like weird commercials in between aside from when you first click play. So I think if you're a big fan of the Halloween movies and you've seen all the other ones like me, you'd probably be curious to watch this one and judge for yourself. But just know it's not that great. You're going to feel disappointed after watching it. Probably around the midpoint of the movie, you're going to be ready for it to end. If I went to see this in theaters, I probably would have left really disappointed but I am surprised that it is, you know, doing pretty well at the box office. I think that's given the time, given the month, given, you know, the legacy of the franchise that people are going to go see a new Halloween movie. I think the problem is when the third one comes out, that people are going to be like, well, you know, that last one wasn't that great. I'm going to wait on this one. So if I had to rate this movie, I would give it 2.5 out of 5 jack-o'-lanterns. And I think that's mainly due to the reason that I love Michael Myers and I felt like he carried this movie. I didn't really understand his motives. I didn't really understand why they made him this way. I think it's the worst version of what this character is supposed to be, what he's been in the past. And while in a way, while I was watching it, I didn't feel like it pertained to his character. Like he wouldn't be killing people in this way. It's not how all the other movies have approached it. It's still kind of entertaining to watch somebody get a knife in the eye. So I think that's why I gave it a 2.5 out of 5. Like given that it's not what I was expecting. Overall, I think it was a little bit just boring. When you see somebody get taken out in an interesting way, <laughs> like 
to the point to where their eyes get you know sunken in because he's has so much pressure on their head that's still kind of entertaining to watch so if you just made like a quick cut of this movie of all the death scenes i think that would probably rank higher for me but having to watch the lame backstory here the fact that it all takes place at night and the details of the movie just kind of get washed out it just feels nothing really stands out from the movie just wasn't my favorite i won't go back and rewatch this movie I'm so invested in the Halloween franchise that I'll end up watching the final one, but this one left a bad taste in my mouth. So that's what I think about Halloween Kills. I would say skip it for now, unless you already have Peacock and you just want something in the Halloween theme to watch this year. Other than that, not worth your time. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes. I guess identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have like one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. I never thought I'd take my three young kids to Sicily to solve a century-old mystery. But that's what I'm doing in my new podcast, The Sicilian Inheritance. Join us as we travel thousands of miles on the beautiful and crazy island of Sicily. As I trace my roots back through a mystery for the ages and untangle clues within my family's origin story, which has morphed like a game of telephone through the generations. Was our family matriarch killed in a land deal gone wrong? Or was it by the Sicilian mafia? A lover's quarrel? Or was she, as my father believed, a witch. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, this is normally where I do movie news, but today I'm doing something a little bit different. I'm opening up Movie Mike's Trailer Park. And that's because over the last week, I've seen so many new movie trailers, and I'm going to play these for you and also break down what I think about each of these movies and I'm going to play them for you in order of the one I'm the most excited about and the one I'm least excited about so the first one that came out over the weekend was the new trailer for the Batman which I have been so excited to see this one with Robert Pattinson as Batman it was supposed to come out earlier this year actually on my birthday but it's now been delayed till March 4th 2022 the plot of this movie, it's really kind
kind of unknown at this point. From what I've seen online, it's basically based on the comic book of like Batman's first and second year of being Batman. He's dealing with some corruption inside of Gotham City. And then he discovers this serial killer known and seen as the Riddler. It looks like it's a little bit more of like less superhero, more crime and mystery in a way. But man, this trailer looks stunning. Here's just a little bit of the Batman trailer. So what you see in this trailer, if you go and watch it at that point right there, it's Penguin trying to get away from Batman. There's this big explosion. He thinks he destroyed him. But then from the explosion, you see the Batmobile coming out. A lot of things I'm excited about after watching this trailer. One, the most the thing that kind of stands out the most for me is how good this movie looks. It looks so cinematic and so well done on a different level than The Dark Knight. The production on this just looks so good that it can't be a bad movie and that excites me because it's going to get compared to the dark knight no matter what it's taking the you know realistic darker approach probably going a little bit harder on that from what i've seen in this trailer but it's going to get compared to that but this movie already looks like it has an identity of its own the other thing i'm excited about is all the characters in this look amazing and i love that they have all these villains you got the penguin the riddler you got catwoman in there and the third thing is how convincing Robert Pattinson looks. I think he's an underrated actor. And when everybody, you know, heard he was cast as the Batman, people kind of questioned it. But I see him. I hear his Batman voice. I think he looks really convincing. I also think the Batsuit looks awesome. So already I love the overall vibe and feel of this movie. It comes out on March 4th, 2022, and I can't wait to see this one. The next one I'm excited about, mainly because I've been seeing The Rock post so much about it on Instagram, and it's a character I don't really know a whole lot about, but it is a spinoff of DC Shazam, which is a pretty solid DC movie, but the movie is about the anti-hero Black Adam. It comes out on July 29th, 2022, starring The Rock. Here's just a little bit of that trailer. So really more of a teaser than a trailer because you just kind of see The Rock for the first time as this character and what you heard there is him basically turning a guy into stone. You don't really see a whole lot of like his face or what The Rock is going to actually like straight up just look like. It's a really big teaser that came out over the weekend. DC had their whole event. So they're not giving away a whole lot about what the movie's going to be about. But I think I'm more just excited to see The Rock as an anti-hero. And if it's anything like the Shazam movie, which I don't think it's going to be as kind of funny and comical as that movie. But I kind of like the style that DC is going for. I think if they get away from that whole Superman, their most recent version of Batman, get away from kind of the Justice League style... I think they have a shot to be the new kind of go-to comic book movies. They have these great characters that we see. They just haven't been executed so well on the big screen. But I think with this whole kind of series of movies they have coming out, they have a really good shot. So I'm excited to see them to get into the anti-hero space with Black Adam. Next up in the trailer park is a new movie starring Ethan Hawke called The Black Phone. It comes out on February 4th, 2022. 
It's about this child killer played by Ethan Hawke. He takes these kids away into a soundproof basement. And you see this 13-year-old boy who is essentially able to receive calls from this like old disconnected phone and talk to this killer's past victims. Sounds pretty great. Here's just a little bit of that trailer. I'll be home in the morning. Where are you going? I'm staying over at Susie's tonight. What's new? The flyer. The paper's calling the grabber. I wish you wouldn't call him that. You don't actually believe that story, do you? Because he can't hear you. And he doesn't really take kids that safe. But he does. What really stuck out for me from this trailer is the mask that the guy wears, played by Ethan Hawke. And just the style of this movie, it has a really great, like, mystery horror feel to it. Doesn't feel like anything over the top. I feel like this has the great premise behind it, the great look to it. And with Ethan Hawke as the main villain in this movie, I wish this movie was coming out this year. Like, I'm so in the mode of watching horror movies right now. I'm surprised that this one's coming out on February 4th. Like, if this movie came out right now, I think it would be great. Fantastic. It was the one that I was like, man, I can't believe that doesn't come out till next year. But hopefully that one will be worth the wait. Next up in the trailer park is The Flash that's coming out on November 4th, 2022. Another DC hero here. They didn't really put out a full trailer, but they kind of gave the first look of The Flash. And here's a little bit of that. Why do you want to stay and fight to save this one? You change the future and you change the past. Holy so I remember watching the Justice League and aside from Wonder Woman, I think the second best thing to come from that movie was The Flash and they brought back the same actor to play The Flash it looks like they're alluding to Batman being in this movie. So I don't really know what they're going to do with this one. But I think the Flash is a fun character. I think he brings a great life to that. I also think younger kids are into the Flash from the CW show. Next up in the trailer park is the new Scream movie, Scream 5. Hello? It's happening. Three attacks so far. Do you have a gun? I'm Sydney Prescott. Of course I have a gun. Something about this one just feels different. So this one is taking place 25 years after the original. They're bringing back Naomi Campbell, bringing back more of the original cast. You got new people behind the ghost face mask. Same lines along of them killing teenagers. But I think this is a perfect time for this movie to come out. That'll be released on January 14th, 2022. I always like a solid horror movie in January. I think this one is going to be it. And then finally, in the movie Mike's trailer park, we have Home Sweet Home Alone. The reboot of Home Alone coming to Disney Plus on November 12th, 2021. Here's just a little bit of this trailer and I'll let you know what I think. The family left for their big vacation. Is that everyone? The cars are leaving now! But forgot one little thing. Mom? Dad? Uncle Blake? They don't even know I'm here. They don't even know I'm here. My mom and dad have gone to Tokyo. I'm totally on... Alright, that's enough of that trailer. So, I was curious to see how they were going to reboot this series. And basically, they're modernizing the first one and kind of doing the same thing again. But this felt like a straight-to-VHS movie to me. 
Like, they didn't learn from Home Alone 3. They didn't learn from Home Alone 4. It just is taking what the original one was and doing this whole, like, oh, you remember the first one? Here's just another random installment of it. And what people don't get about the first Home Alone is there was so much attention to detail in that movie from everything in the movie having a Christmas feel. Like the house, the wallpaper was red and green and there were just all these elements to give it that feeling of Christmas. And this one just feels like a slap together reboot has no identity. Like just from seeing that, they're trying to change it a little bit by changing where they go, changing that they're British. They change the plot up a little bit. This one's about this married couple who tries to steal back some valuable heirloom from this family. But the kid is left at home alone. So I'm sure there'll be like some modernized technology of like, I don't know, he has like a ring cam that the parents can see him. I just don't have anything good to say about this one. And it's a reboot, a remake that I am just can't believe they're doing. And I think this is why people get annoyed about reboots. It's taking something we all know and love and ruining that. So that is the trailer park. A bunch of new movies you can look forward to. One at the end of this year and the rest are all coming out in 2022. But that is the episode for this week. I do have to get in the listener shout out of the week and I'm going over to Twitter for this one. It is from at OKBarbieDoll, a.k.a. Barbie McGuire, who tweeted me about the new Halloween movie. This is her review. She said, they absolutely ruined the Halloween franchise. Michael Myers was the only scary guy that freaked me out, but not anymore. Halloween Kills was beyond bad. Hashtag so disappointed. And this is just one of the tweets and the Instagram messages that I got kind of agreeing with me and I thought I myself was crazy for feeling this way about this movie but I saw the overall reaction was kind of what I had so I feel good knowing that other people didn't enjoy it as much as they thought they were going to so unless you thought that was just me feeling that way about Halloween there's more and more reviews of people saying the same things so thank you for listening this week thank you for being subscribed to the podcast thank you for telling a friend about this i've really kind of seen this podcast grow because of you listening every single week sharing your reactions to the topics really means the world to me so appreciate that and hope you join me again next week continuing the final installment in talking halloween and horror movies and until then later The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. Well, how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Oh, hi. I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. 
And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.